That sound means it is again time for the Wisports.net podcast. Every week, Wednesdays on Wisports.net. I'm Travis Wilson, general manager of Wisports.net and also the football writer. A big time in Wisconsin sports, a lot going on, not only at the high school level, the Brewers in a playoff chase as I speak, wrapping up their series against the Cardinals with a chance to clinch a playoff spot. The Packers and Badgers football teams, of course, into the midst of their season, neither probably going quite as we had hoped, but still time to turn things around, obviously. Badgers basketball, uh, what, a month away or so uh, from getting started. Um, So a busy time in the sports scene in Wisconsin, and we're in a busy time in the high school football season right now, where we are heading down the home stretch of the regular season. We're starting to take a look at some of the important and big-time conference title races that are going to be played out over the next few weeks. And, of course, we're also talking about the playoffs, a big focus on the playoffs in Wisconsin. Again, we've talked about it many times. Not everyone gets into the postseason in high school football. It's unique from the other sports in, in that respect. You have to win your way in. Now, what winning your way in means has changed a little bit over the last few years. It used to be, uh, you know, at, at one point, well, early on, um, you know, there was only a handful of teams that got in the playoffs and it increased from there. Uh, you know, at one point, if you were one game over 500 uh, just a few years ago, you might get left out and turned into if you're 500, you might get in, you might get left out. And now the last several years, not only has every team that finishes 500 in conference play gotten into the playoffs, but a number of non-500 teams, or under-500 teams, I should say, have also gotten into the postseason. Last year, in fact, that number was 12 teams that finished under 500 in conference play got into the playoffs. And that number continues to change. That number of sub-500 teams getting in continues to go up as the overall number of teams in the state of Wisconsin that play 11-man football continues to go down. Obviously, there's been roughly 30 teams that have moved to eight-man football. There's been a number of other programs that have entered into other co-op situations. And that number will continue to change. That that total number of teams will continue to go down. I don't think we'll ever see it go up again. And in fact, early indications are that anywhere from three to five more teams could go from 11-man to eight-man football next year and several others could be looking at a co-op. So it's likely that the total number of football teams, which always had been over 400, up around 420 to 440, had dipped down below 400 recently. Last year it was 398. This year there are 392 teams playing 11-man football. That number will continue to go down, and next year expect it to be under 390. As we get down the home stretch of the regular season, one of the things that we have done on Wisports.net is release the semifinalist list for our senior football awards. Something that we started, uh, I think it was 10 years ago now, almost, modeled after the college football awards, where you have um, the the Nagurski Award and the Bednarik Award and, and all those different awards named after players. And we went that route as well. And so we have uh, awards named after former players from the state of Wisconsin with ties to the state of Wisconsin. 
that uh, well represent those positions. The Dave Craig Award, the Crazy Legs Hirsch Award, Al Toon, Joe Thomas, uh, John Anderson, Tim Crumry, etc. The list goes on. And it's been a real fun thing that we've uh, been able to do. It, it always gets a good amount of attention, obviously, a good amount of interest. Uh, you know, it, it's good for the kids to see their names on the watch list, on the semifinalist list, etc. Moms and dads get excited about it. It's just another way that uh, we can recognize all of the outstanding players that are out there doing outstanding things. So this week, we released our semifinalist uh, Wednesday afternoon, released the semifinalist for offense. Thursday morning, we'll release the semifinalist for defense. And that got us uh, got me thinking about who are some of the top players in the state this year? Who are the contenders that might be in the discussion right now and eventually at the end of the year for state player of the year on offense and defense? Those awards are presented by the Wisconsin Football Coaches Association. There are a couple other state player of the year awards as well. Uh, the WFCA is the only one that uh, splits it into offense and defense. And, uh, of course, my involvement with the WFCA, that's the one that we kind of lean on the most. Um, it, it's always interesting to see who's in the discussion, how that race kind of morphs over the course of a season, what things go into it. Um, it it's just always a, 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 an interesting thing to watch play out. Um you know, there's always kind of a, a general, uh, you know, type to who wins player of the year on offense and player of the year on defense. And generally, it's going to be somebody from a uh, very good team, first of all. It, you know, you, you expect the best players to be on the best teams generally. If your team doesn't have a lot of success, uh, you know, it, it's going to be tougher for you to get into that conversation. Um, a lot of times it's a, a player that, his team, you know, won a conference title, maybe went undefeated in the playoffs, made it deep, or excuse me, went undefeated in, comp, in the regular season, went deep into the playoffs. Um, one of the few examples of that not being the case that I can recall over the years, Zach Bond, the outstanding quarterback from Brown Deer a few years ago, who's now an outside linebacker for Wisconsin. He was just so dominant and what he did was so ridiculous that uh, he ended up winning the uh, Offensive Player of the Year award in the state uh, a couple years ago. But generally, it's going to be from a team that is at least in the discussion for uh, a state title, if not getting to state or winning a state title. The selection for Player of the Year is made uh, the Sunday after the state semifinals, so before the state finals are actually played. Um, it's selected by the uh, 20 or 21 WFCA district reps um, and kind of just a, a, an interesting process once again. And, you know, like it or not, it's generally going to be somebody that's kind of a higher profile player coming into the season, somebody that uh, quite likely has received some scholarship offers Um you know, Division One in in many cases, in most cases, and uh, that in, that goes offense and defense. Uh, the the more re name recognition you have, the more name recognition you carry into the season, the the higher you're going to be on uh, on some of those uh, lists and minds and in votes and things like that. Um, now, there have been times where the player of the year in the state of Wisconsin, as selected by the WFCA, doesn't always necessarily uh, 
match up or even uh, come from uh, a player that was the player of the year in their own conference. In fact, last year, DJ Stewart from Kimberly, the outstanding running back, who I think deservedly was a uh, selection for offensive player of the year based on what he did, based on what Kimberly did. Um, he wasn't the player of the year in the VFA North. That honor went to Patrick Arada from Appleton West, uh, edged him out in the voting for uh, running back at the uh, at the all-conference meeting, edged him out at the all-region meeting as well um, as a result. And, you know, you kind of maybe scratched your head a little bit at how the, the voting went during the regular season, but ultimately... Appleton West went out in level one of the playoffs. Kimberly went on to win a state title, and DJ Stewart was a huge contributor along the way. He was huge in the state fight title game. So uh, I don't think it was wrong by any means that he was named state player of the year on offense, even though he wasn't even the player of the year in his own conference. And, and sometimes, of course, you have uh, politics that go into the conference meetings. It, Honestly, you have politics a little bit that play into the the voting itself for the all uh, players of the year. So you, you take it all into account, and you know generally, uh, I think you get some very deserving candidates. So who are the deserving candidates this year? And we'll start taking a look at the offensive player of the year spot. And we'll start with a couple names that probably would have been at the top, if not the top two, coming into the season, but I, I think for different reasons, maybe aren't in that conversation anymore. The leading candidate, I think, coming into the season might have been Julius Davis, the running back from Menominee Falls, who had committed to Wisconsin in the offseason, started this year with a bang. After two weeks, was leading the state of Wisconsin in rushing yards, and then suffered an injury, a, a groin strain, that has sidelined him ever since. He has missed the last four games. Now, last week he did suit up, and uh, I don't know if he went through the full warm-ups, but he at least suited up with Menominee Falls, but did not play. So that would seem to indicate that he's getting closer to returning, and that was, I think, the hope and the plan for Menominee Falls, that he would come back at some time late in the season. So we'll see what his timetable is to return, but... Having missed four full games, I don't think he would be in the conversation, even if he comes back and has a big end of the year. Menominee Falls isn't likely, I don't think, to get real deep in the playoffs, even with him. So it's not like he's going to get a whole bunch of extra games and yards in the playoffs to maybe make up for that. So his uh, his opportunity at State Player of the Year probably is gone with that injury. Deshaun Brown from Racine St. Catharines put up ridiculous numbers last year. He put up ridiculous numbers in the early going this year, running the football, throwing the football, perhaps the most dynamic player in the state with the ball in his hands. However, he was suspended for a game and a half. He missed an entire game and then missed half of their last game. Now, the last game, he came back with a vengeance in the second half and really tore it up. But number one, in some conferences, I don't know what the Metro Classic Conference uh, rule is. In some conferences, if you are suspended for any reason, you are not even eligible for all conference. And if you're not eligible for all conference, you're not eligible for all region, which means you're not eligible for all state, which means you're not eligible for state player of the year. Even if their conference bylaws do allow him to be eligible for 
postseason recognition, uh, even if he gets all region, maybe even if he gets consideration for all state, I don't know that he would get consideration for state player of the year if he was suspended and because he was suspended a game and a half. So where does that leave us? Still some very deserving candidates, still some kids that I think if you looked at it right now uh, would be excellent choices and other kids that still can get into that mix, obviously. And I think the leader in the clubhouse with Davis sidelined by injury and with Brown kind of maybe out of the picture, I think the leader in the clubhouse might be Darius Crowley-Reed from Martin Luther. Of course, their competition level generally isn't as tough as as some of the bigger schools, obviously. Uh, They have a tough game coming up uh, soon here with Racine St. Catharines. I think it's week eight um, where it'd be Brown against Crowley-Reed, but Darius Crowley-Reed has just been ridiculous this year. On the ground, he's only carried it forty times, or excuse me, eighty times, but he's over thirteen hundred yards. He's got twenty-five touchdowns, averaging over seventeen yards per carry. He's also been involved in the passing game. He's got over two hundred passing yards, or excuse me, uh, receiving yards with a couple touchdowns. He plays on defense as well. Not that that figures into the offensive side of it too much, but um, just an all-around dynamic, explosive player that is doing some pretty special things for Martin Luther, and as of right now, might be the favorite. Now the question becomes, how deep do they go into the playoffs? And if they happen to get beat early in the playoffs, that really could hamper his chances of putting up even bigger numbers and making an even bigger impression. Because if they're Division Four and they go out early, from the voters' perspective, that might be a difficult sell to, to, to give player of the year to a player from a sm- relatively small school conference that exits the playoffs early. Other names to keep an eye on, I think, that could be in the contenders list and certainly have some good shots at some deep playoff runs that will help as well. Dylan Hendricks from Pulaski, he's fourth in the state in rushing right now. Over 1,200 yards, scored 17 touchdowns on the ground. Now, he's also the leading passer for uh, for Pulaski as well. Um, he's been involved uh, on defense as well. I, I think he plays full-time or close to full-time on defense. Just an all-around outstanding player and uh, a, a good team as well with Pulaski. They, um, you know... They're right up there. They they lost to uh, to Bayport a couple weeks ago, um, but still looking very good. They've got one loss, and it'll kind of depend on how he finish this, finishes the season, how deep Pulaski gets. That will certainly increase his chances. A player that kind of not necessarily came out of nowhere, but really had not made a uh, big impact last season, partly due to injury, Logan Grates, the quarterback from River Falls, whose team lost a real tough one to Hudson a couple weeks ago and followed that up with wins over Menominee and Rice Lake. And he has had a huge, huge senior season for River Falls and and, uh, the Wildcats. And he's second in the state, tied for second with 20 touchdown passes right now. He's got over 1,300 yards passing, completing 72% of his passes, um, averages 12 yards per attempt which is a ridiculous number. Usually in the NFL, I think that's what seven, seven and a half is doing pretty good. Uh, so a, uh, a very accomplished passer, 
not huge running the football, but he's he's got some uh, positive stats there anyway. So if the Wildcats can make some noise, if they can come out of a jumbled Big Rivers conference and maybe win a state title, or excuse me, a conference title and make a little bit of a run, he's in the conversation, I think. And a couple kids kind of on the opposite end that that have been there for a while that are doing big things. Drew Lashinsky, the quarterback from Brookfield Central. Now, they just lost to Marquette, and you wonder what that will do to uh, his standing in terms of the all-conference voting and the player of the year in the conference. If if Marquette holds on and wins it outright, you know, will he get that uh, consideration for player of the year in the league? And even though, as we talked about, you don't have to be the player of the year in your conference to get player of the year in the state. It sure does help. And also his uh, running back there, Rashad Lampkin, has really turned it on and uh, put up some big numbers. Will he, you know, if he has some big late season push, will he not necessarily split votes, but will that, uh, will there be enough room for both of them to put up big numbers? Bryce Hittner from Iola, Scandinavia, he rushed for I think it was 2,800-some yards last year. His his numbers this year are very good. Again, he's over 1,200 yards already, 17 touchdowns. His career body of work will be as good or better than anybody else on, on the list. I mean, he's going to end up very high on the all-time rushing list. He entered this year um, sitting very highly. He's already over 5,500 yards rushing the football, so he's going to end up very highly on the list as well. It'll, it might come down to, you know, he's a small school kid and it would really, he'd really have to dominate to, to be in that conversation. Some other players that could sneak into the discussion based on how good they are, how good their teams are, et cetera. A few quarterbacks to keep an eye on. Derek Schwartian at McFarland. The, uh, the Spartans are undefeated. Carter Robinson at Appleton North. Now, what's going to hurt him in addition to some early uh, interception issues is that Appleton North already has a couple losses, and they play Kimberly this week. And if they drop to three losses, I just don't know if he would stay in the conversation for state player of the year. Kaiser Helterbrand from Hudson hasn't put up eye-popping numbers, but a very good player, very good quarterback, and you would expect him to, to be one of the better players coming out of the northwest part of the state. A few other quarterbacks that have stepped in this year for the first time, first-time starters on defending state champions, Cody Starkle from Kimberly, Jarrett Wolf from Wanakee, are just putting up ridiculous numbers. Um, if you look at their touchdown-to-interception ratio uh, and their passer rating and everything like that, just outstanding what they have done. And of course, their teams are very successful as well. So they will kind of stay in that conversation throughout the year. Uh, some running backs from the northwest part of the state, Reagan Rufi from Northwestern and Leo Chanel from Grantsburg. Now, Chanel missed the first game of the year. He was on a, a, a mission trip out west, and he, I think, will be a strong contender on defense as well. So I don't know if he'll get enough support on offense, but maybe on defense, but he is a kid that could be a two-way All-State player, potentially. Jake Dessert from uh, East Troy, a quarterback for them, leads the state in rushing, but they're not even going to win the conference, it doesn't look like. So, you know, will will he get into that conversation? Uh, Brady Redwine from Elk Mound, Mitchell Wechter from St. Mary Springs, a couple other kids that have uh, were very successful last year and carried, you know, some good prestige into the season. But I just don't know that they would eclipse or, or move ahead of some of the other players that we had talked about earlier. 
again, there's a lot of football to be played. There's a lot of games that will still happen and a lot of opportunities for players to to build some stats and build a resume. And if somebody really gets hot in the playoffs, we've seen it before, you know, you could put up a thousand yards in the playoffs alone or at least a thousand yards from here to the end of the uh, end of the season. And that could really catapult some players into that conversation. On defense, who are we looking at? And I, I think um, kind of the same parameters apply there. You're generally going to be looking at somebody from a better team. You're generally going to be looking at somebody that's highly rated and highly recruited, uh, likely with scholarship offers. So who fits that mold on defense? And a few names that I think jump out to you. Reed Ryan from Wanakee. I don't have his full stats, but I saw him play against Mount Hora Barneveld, and he made plays all over the place. He was in the backfield constantly. He returned a punt, uh, blocked punt for a touchdown. Uh, just a, uh, a, a havoc wreaker from the edge position for the Wanakee Warriors, and he's the only starter back for Wanakee on defense, and they have still just mowed through the competition. So I think he is certainly one of the front runners. I mentioned Leo Chennault from Grantsburg, a linebacker on defense that is really dominant on the defensive side of the ball as well. That's where he'll play at Wisconsin is at linebacker. Keanu Benton from Janesville Craig, they are doing very well so far this year, only have one loss. If they stay in contention for a conference title, he could be in that conversation as well. He's committed to Wisconsin. He's got the right pedigree. His stats look pretty good. Uh, his performance looks pretty good. Now, he plays both ways. He, he has been playing on offense a good amount, and so that takes a, a little bit out of him defensively, but I, I think he's still in the conversation. Jake Karshinsky from West Appear committed to Iowa, and he is uh, part of a really dominating West Appear defense. They take on Menasha this week in our game of the week on Wiss Sports. If he comes up big, if West Appear pulls that out, really enhances his resume for Defensive Player of the Year. Logan Iden from Nina, a kid that I really, really like. I think his film from last year was outstanding. He's not going to blow you away uh, from his linebacker spot with quickness and, and overall uh, you know, straight-line speed, but a hard-hitting kid, a kid that gets to the football, has a nose for the football, um, is aggressive, takes on blockers, and uh, I think, and I've said, I think that... Uh, some of the Division ones in, in the scholarship schools are are a little bit missing out on him right now. I think he could be in the conversation for State Player of the Year on defense as well. Now, he's part of a really good defensive group, um, and Nina just got beat pretty handily by Kimberly. So it's going to take them getting back into that uh, you know conference title discussion with Fond du Lac and also the, um, you know, uh, chance or at least uh, uh, some success in the playoffs. Mark Shields from New Berlin Eisenhower, I think is a strong, strong contender as well. Uh, if I had to handicap the race right now, I, I think the top three or four might be Reed Ryan, Leo Chanel, Shields, and then Iden and Karshinsky in that conversation as well. New Berlin Eisenhower is undefeated. They made it to state last year. Shields was dominant last year, set a all division record for tackles in the state title game last year as a defensive lineman. The numbers that he records as a defensive lineman are ridiculous when you look at the total number of tackles. He is so active on defense and uh, has the, the pedigree and has the, um, you know, the, the Division I uh, history and background that he will be in the conversation. So some really good candidates on both sides of the ball this year, I think. 
And uh, again, it will be fun to see how the last few weeks play out to see who takes that big step forward, who rides their team and, and leads their team to a deep playoff run to really increase their opportunity, their resume to be named the player of the year in the state of Wisconsin. And of course, in addition to uh, the WFCA awards, we have our Wisports.net Senior Football Awards, as mentioned. We'll release the finalist for those the week after level one. We say it'll be five per position, but it sure is tough to cut down some of those spots to just five. So it ends up being six or eight sometimes. Um, and then the winners of those Senior Football Awards are announced the week of the state finals. Let's turn our attention now to the stat of the week. And we'll stick with the high school football playoffs. We'll stick with uh, some of the conversations that we had a little bit earlier about the number of teams and, and how many teams will have a chance to get in the playoffs. And the number, the stat of the week this week is 63. That is the number of teams that have clinched a playoff spot so far after week six. 38 other teams have become playoff eligible. 44 can clinch with one more win conference win, and 30 can become playoff eligible with one more conference win. Again, those are the numbers after week six. So how does that compare to last year? Last year, at the same time, there were 61 teams that had clinched playoff spots, so we're a little bit ahead there, but the numbers start to drop off a little bit. 45 had become playoff eligible by this time last year compared to 38 this season. 40 teams could clinch a spot with one more conference win at this time last year. This season, it's 44. And here's uh, the, the big number, the number of teams that can become playoff eligible with one more conference win. Last year at this time, it was 48. This year, it's 30. So what does all of that mean? Maybe nothing, maybe everything. It could very well indicate that we are going to have more teams make the playoffs that finish under 500 in conference than we did last year. And again, we had 12 teams make the playoffs under 500 last year. There's to six total teams less than there were last season. So that'll be a big thing that we watch and follow. Again, how many teams are, are getting into the playoffs under 500? And by the way, we will have our projected playoff field, division qual or excuse me, the qualifiers, the divisional breakdowns, the cut lines, we will do that after week seven and after week eight to give you a better idea of where things are sitting, where the breakdowns and the cut lines will be, and just how many teams might get into the playoffs that finish under 500. Let's turn our attention to the rant of the week. And I will preface this by saying that we get excellent participation from the high school football coaches in Wisconsin on entering scores, entering stats on wisports.net. It's the best participation of any of the sports that we cover. The football coaches have really embraced entering information on our site. Uh, we have a great partnership with the Wisconsin Football Coaches Association who encourage it, endorse it, require it for coaches that want to have uh, nominations for all region, for all state, for the all-star game. And so the, uh, the football community has really done a great job on entering information on our site, which makes things a lot easier for us. But more importantly, it, it gets that information out there to everybody, all the moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas 
all the media, all the college coaches, all the people that follow high school athletics and follow our site uh, and, and follow the teams via our site have all of that information. And it's outstanding. We love to see it. We've always been of the opinion that the more information that's out there and available and accessible to everybody, the more transparency there is, the better it is for everybody and the better it is for the game and the better it is for the players involved. Unfortunately, there are still a few coaches that for whatever reason don't enter information on our site. They're, you know, get very busy and we understand that, uh, you know, maybe they're not super technology savvy and, and have a hard time uh, taking care of it that way. Um, and then there's some that just don't want to do it, that just don't think it's a good idea that not so much in football, but in other sports, especially basketball, as well as baseball, you get some of those coaches that think, well, I'm not going to enter it because then the other team can step, can scout me. And we have always kind of chuckled at this excuse, if you will, as a former coach myself, if if I had a team, a coach that was going to be scouting me based on my stats alone, I would love to play that opponent because I know that I'm going to beat them. I know that uh, if I do my homework, if I do my scouting the, the right way, that I'm going to be much more prepared than what they are. In basketball, everybody knows who the best shooters are, who to foul at the end of the game. You can watch warmups for five minutes and tell that. You don't need to look at the stats online to see who shoots 70% and who shoots 50%. I mean, you can watch the game and know who that is. In baseball, uh, the, the number three hitter is going to be a good hitter <laughs> if, you, if you're running into him at the end of the game. It's not like we're doing advanced stats of spray charts and batting average with runners in scoring position and uh, splits righty versus lefty and, and all these other advanced stats that you get into at the major uh, league level and in college and things like that. Um, it, it's very basic information. And so I, 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 we've always kind of not understood that excuse of, well, I don't want to get scouted. Because quite honestly, uh, I don't think most people would get a whole lot of benefit from scouting off of the stats that are on our site. And if everybody does it, then everybody has the same information. So just let's have everybody do it. How about that? Um, we've tried working as much as we can with the coaches associations, with um, other media partners, with the WIAA to encourage it. Uh, our, our, we would love if the WIA required it for every single uh, coach to enter their information on our site for all the sports that we cover. We're not there yet. Maybe we can get there someday, um, but that would, that would be awesome. And again, we've always felt like the more information that's out there for everybody to follow, for everybody to have access to, the better. You know, if, if, if you want to know something about a team, guess what? You can find it, whether it's our site, whether you look up their huddle, whether you look at the local newspaper to find out who their leading scorer is, you're going to find the information that you want to find, whether it's on our site or not. And so the, the ones that are, you know, want to hide all of the stuff and hide stats and play games with, uh, with that kind of thing, or, you know, you get not necessarily stats related, but coaches that, uh, mess around with huddle film exchange in the, in the high school football playoffs, you know, they'll, they'll give a, a, poor quality copy to their opponent instead of their good film. They'll cut out plays. They'll do whatever. 
I really don't understand it. Um, just be open and honest and, you know, let everybody play on the same playing field and uh, let the best man win. I don't get all the games that, that people play with some of that sometimes. So to finish off my rant, we're very happy. We're, we love working with the coaches and the football coaches do a great job of entering information on our site. We'd love to see more of it in, in, in a little bit more timely fashion. If any coaches ever have questions, we're more than happy to help out. We're more than happy to uh, you know, help them find somebody else that'll do it for them, whether it's an assistant, a stats person, a kid in study hall, a parent, volunteer, whatever. There's somebody in your program somewhere that would be happy to do it. And so if, if you feel like you don't have the time, uh, ask around. Somebody will take care of it. So that ends my rant for this week, and that ends our show for this week. Again, this has been the Wisports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson. We've got a busy week of high school football games coming up, so be sure to check out all the information coming out on WSN throughout the week and throughout the weekend. We're getting into the playoffs for other WIAA sports. There's going to be um, postseason coming up uh, for some of the sports beginning this week and, and continuing going forward, so... Make sure you check out all the information going out all the time. And uh, as I always say, get out to a high school football game, support your local team. It's a great opportunity, a great uh, environment to, to showcase and support the outstanding achievements of the student athletes, the good things that are going on in your school and in your community. And of course, support them in a positive manner. Don't be the, the one complaining up in the stands every week. Don't be the one screaming at the coach, screaming at the kids. Support the team, support the players, support everybody involved do it in a positive fashion that's my soapbox uh my my second rant of the week i guess again travis wilson for wisports.net this has been the wisports.net podcast we'll see you next week